Good to see you all. I'm going to read the first few verses of Psalm 119. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have, or you have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to your uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. The word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinance of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Our second reading is from uh, Romans chapter 7, uh, verses 13 through 25. Therefore, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather, it was sin, in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, so that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but not the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. Let's pray. Lord, we, we feel so blessed uh, um, to have Jerry, Pastor Jerry with us uh, 
now we can kind of exhale and and uh, begin the next stage of this uh, church's life. We ask that uh, you would bless him and his family as they become part of our family. We also ask that you would bless the congregation that we might all uh, join in to uh, grow the church and to grow in the knowledge of your word. We pray for Phil today as he comes to preach the word to us. We ask that you fill his heart with the Holy Spirit that it might be, might be imparted to us uh, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Good morning. So we are parachuting into the middle of Paul's epistle to the Romans, um, which is a complicated book. There's a lot in it to, to think about. Um, and so I want to give a little bit of context. I can't, I can't say too much about it, but uh, in general, Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he's explaining in, in previous chapters that uh, there is no one who uh, does good. All have sinned. Um, all have sinned, Jews, Gentiles, those under the law, those who haven't had the law. And apart from God's grace, there is no hope for salvation. And he, he explains that fallen humans are so corrupt that even those who have received the law, as we've just read in Romans 7, the law has given them, to explain it this way, given them ideas to go and sin more. It has exposed that the sin in us is so corrupt that we uh, will receive God's law and become more corrupt. Not because God's law corrupts us, as Paul is arguing here, but it is a sin that is in us. Uh, the point is, salvation depends entirely on faith, on faith in Jesus Christ. It is entirely by grace, as we read in Ephesians chapter two, uh, because we can't even believe, we can't even have this faith apart from God's work in us. There's nothing we can do to be saved. We must believe, but even to believe, God must give us that faith. It is a gift of his grace. And we see in Titus chapter three that we are saved not by our works, not by anything that we have done, but by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That is we have to be born again, but we can't do this. It is something that God must do in us so that we can have eyes to see our need for a savior, ears to hear his word, and, and have a new heart with a new will to be able to receive his word and respond uh, appropriately in faith and repentance. So I say all that to, uh, to get us to chapter 7 here, where Paul is reflecting on his experience as a Christian, not as a recent convert, but as a mature Christian. He is uh, commenting on the, uh, reflecting on the experience of this struggle with sin, even having a new heart, even having a new mind. The struggle against sin does not end in this life. Our corruption remains until... Uh, until Christ returns and, or calls us home. Um, so I want to read from, uh, just focus on uh, 
verses 21 to 25 in chapter 7, uh, which are kind of a, a summary of what he's been saying here in, in the chapter. This is what he says, I find this law regarding my desire, the desire that I have to do what is good, that evil lies close at hand. I delight in the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in my members making war on the law of my mind and taking me captive in the law of sin that is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me out of the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, I myself, with regard to the mind, I serve the law of God. But with regard to the flesh, I serve the law of sin. <clears throat> so we see here uh, his conclusion or, or a concluding statement of this section uh, on his struggle with sin. So the, I have uh, titled uh, a collaborative effort with those in the office, Nick and Christy, The Ongoing Struggle. Um, and so perhaps the, the subtitle uh, in your Bible will say the law and sin or, or something like that. But I think that he focuses more on this ongoing struggle. And so if I could put a subtitle in there, that's how I would do it. Uh, so as I said, this is Paul's experience after becoming a Christian. Prior to conversion, this struggle does not take place. When a person hears the word of God prior to conversion, as we've seen, they're not inclined to delight in it. Rather, it, it gives them occasion to become even more sinful. And I, I may say things like that throughout the service. Uh, it's easy to not have that register well because when we think of becoming corrupt and becoming more sinful, we tend to think of things that are really heinous like you see in horror movies or something like that. And it's hard sometimes for us to remember that this is, corruption is more subtle, sin is more subtle in us. And so uh, it might not manifest itself in, in the ways that we typically uh, think of as the worst possible sins and to the worst possible degree. But that is what happens prior to conversion. We... Uh, God's law gives us an occasion to do, to become even more corrupt, perhaps more hardened against God, or perhaps more just um, uh, unwilling to listen and uh, uninterested. After conversion, however, the inner self recognizes, this, this, uh, the new self, the inner being, recognizes that God's law is good confesses that God's law is good. And there is a delight in the law of God. As we see in verse uh, um, 16, recognizes that the, the, the law is good. And in verse 22, that there's a delight in the law. And there's an inclination toward the good and away from evil. So in verses 18 to 19 of chapter 7, Paul uh, says, there's the good that I want to do. And then there's the evil that I don't want to do. And so he's 
explaining there is this reality in me that causes me to want to do what is good and not to do what is evil. And that doesn't happen prior to being reborn, which is a work of God's uh, spirit. And this struggle, um, Paul states using language of law, uh, a law. He says, I find this law in verse 21. And then in verse 22, oh, sorry, 23, he says, I see a different law. And I think that's how it's translated in um, the NIV and uh, ESV. But as Jeff read, he, it, it was translated uh, principle. And uh, the word is the word for law, however, it's used uh, in the sense of principle in the way that um, the law of gravity. It's not, it's not a legal law that, you know, you must fall down if you trip. It's just a reality that if you trip, you will fall down. And so we call it a law because it describes reality uh, accurately and there's, there's no way to avoid it. And that is the sense in which Paul is using the term here. I find this law. I have these inclinations toward the good. I do not want to do what is evil. And yet, this is the reality. Sin is close at hand. So he is constantly uh, frustrated by this opposing force of sin. So this struggle here is um, presented in uh, vivid military language. Um, he says this, the sin nature makes war on the law of my mind. And in trying to think of a way to an illustration for this, I, I thought maybe it would be best to just take five seconds, ten seconds, think about war, um, maybe from you know, uh, a movie that you've seen or whatever. Think about what's the object, what's the reason. There's a goal, and what are people willing to do in order to achieve that goal, uh, whatever it is. They're, they're out to kill the enemy, whoever's stopping them from achieving that goal. Hopefully it's a just goal, um, but using any means necessary. And so um, I don't know how the original audience would have responded hearing this. Uh, obviously, uh, ancient warfare was very brutal, and we are very far removed from that type of brutal uh, life. Uh, but perhaps that, just thinking about that a little bit, uh, would, would help us to, uh, to picture what Paul is saying that this different law that is in his members is doing uh, to his soul, to his mind. And surprisingly, um, he says that it takes him captive. And takes him captive in the law of sin that is in his members. This is verse 23. And it's surprising, I think, because it seems like he is admitting defeat, uh, saying that sin has gotten the best of him. Um, it seems like he's giving up, and I thought 
Well, I'll look, at, look the word up and see what it means. Maybe there's different senses. And uh, as it turns out, it means to capture or take captive. So that's what he says sin is doing to him. He presents this struggle, uh, the, the, the opposing forces, the, the new nature, the inner man, the inner being, to which corresponds the law of his mind, and then on the other side, um, the, the members in which the law of sin is waging war on him. The law of his mind, um, I think that the, the best way to explain that is just the, 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 the understanding in the mind, recognizing and confessing that God is good, his word is good, and delighting in that word. And then there's this other um, opposing force in him. I call him forces, not to be mystical or anything, but just when we're, when we're talking about this, it's difficult to talk about one person that is both physical and spiritual, and one person that has this sinful corruption, yet is a truly uh, reborn um, child of God. It's difficult to explain this in language. And we end up saying there's you know, different natures, and you know, Christ is one person in two natures. We're not two natures in that sense. And there's not two people in us you know, battling. There's a true self that has this remaining corruption. And so, forgive me if I'm not explaining it well, because it's, it's confusing and difficult to try to explain. Um, this, this reality um, that Paul describes, and then the fact that he, he says, I'm captured, is captured um, in a law of sin that dwells in my members, to me, I don't know how you feel, it seems very shocking. Uh, but what I, what I believe is that Paul here is, ex- is saying that he cannot esca- escape the fact that he, in and of himself, is incapable of defeating sin, is incapable of doing um, what he knows that he ought to do. So he said earlier, there's nothing good that dwells in my members. Nothing good. And so one person reflecting on, on himself, he says, I, I have this new man, and I have this remaining corruption, and I can't do anything about it. Uh, it takes me captive. So in a sense, he is giving up, but only giving up on his own ability to be righteous. He's only, he's, he, he, he puts no confidence in the flesh. And then this leads to his confession in verse 24, wretched man that I am. And then he says, who will deliver me out of the body of this death? And as, uh, as I think about this, one common theme throughout all you know, Disney movies and every genre of movies, I guess, um, songs, this idea that within us is the ability to you know, find our own way, 
um, I was thinking of songs I thought which would be a good song to bring up. And so the, the one that I chose is uh, Leonard Skinnerd, Simple Man. Uh, if you've ever heard this song, I like this song. It's, it's a good song. But um, it's a song of, of a mother talking to her son and giving him life advice. Um, and so it's kind of it's nice. There's a couple parts in it where, um, you know, she says, follow your heart and nothing else. Uh, and there's another part where she says, all that you need is in your soul. You know, you're going to be okay. Just be a simple man and, and life, will, life will work out. Um, she, it, he, he also says in the song, you know, don't forget there is someone up above, which is a vague reference to, you know, a God. Just, not good enough, but good enough for rock music. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it just kind of communicates this idea that, that you can do it. It's in you, you know, look inside. And Paul is looking inside, and he's not liking what he sees. He can't do anything to defeat the sin that he clearly sees. He can't do anything to get himself to do what he knows that he ought to do and what he wants to do. And this brings him to his uh, wretched man that I am statement. Um, And then, instead of looking in, he's forced to look out. And he says, who will deliver me? Of course, he already knows the answer because he's he's been saved for a long time. Um, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so... The truth is that no one can defeat sin on their own. Uh, this truth sets us free, in a sense. The, 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 the interesting thing is here, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. And then he kind of repeats this idea again. Then I, therefore, in, in terms of my mind, I serve the law of sin. But uh, in, the fle- in terms of the flesh, I serve the law. Did I just say that wrong? I serve the law of God. In my mind, I serve the law of God. In the flesh, I serve the law of sin. And it kind of, it's like he ends with this climax and then he just states it clearly. Again, uh, I can't, I can't do this. This is the reality. This is the ongoing struggle. And um, it almost sounds like a truce. But... As I said, this is a, con- a truce with sin. And it's not th- that's not what it is because this is a conclusion to this portion of Scripture. He's going to go into Romans 8. He's not done writing his letter. He hasn't said a final conclusion of what he thinks about his uh, condition. He goes into Romans 8 and he says that uh, we are to be, uh, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that we are to be putting this sin to death. But this section of scripture contains uh, a picture of the ongoing struggle of the Christian in day-to-day life. And it contains a, a reaction to that. And so Paul, in, in seeing this, he grieves over his sin. He mourns over his sin. He does not rest in the situation, but looks for deliverance. 
And this is Paul, as I said, uh, not as a recent convert, but years after he has been uh, preaching the gospel throughout and establishing churches throughout the Mediterranean. So then it should be encouraging to us uh, because he struggles with sin, even being a mature Christian, and we will also. Uh, One question we should ask ourselves is, are we grieving over sin? Do we grieve over sin? Can you think of a time when, in the past, you really grieved over sin? Not necessarily over something that you did, because it's it's easy to do that when we do something really bad, uh, we, we mess up. It makes us sorry. It should make us sorry. Um, but over the fact that we can't help but sin. I, I remember one time um, in my marriage, early in my marriage, just being completely depressed, I would say. Um, why has God left us here on earth, having saved us, when we cannot help but sin. And so, you know, just reflecting on my, my relationship with my wife, I, it's just hard. We just hurt each other. And is there, is there nothing else we can do? Um, so yeah, I, I, have, I can relate to the Apostle Paul, wretched man that I am. Um, perhaps Uh, We don't grieve over sin the way that we should, the way that the Apostle Paul is grieving over his sin here. Um, But our grief does not drive us ultimately into despair. Uh, We should grieve. We should feel like a wretch because we know that nothing good is in us. Then we look to God who is our hope. We Praise and thank him for the salvation that we have in Christ. Notice that Paul is reflecting on this and, and making this statement in a, in a passage where he is thinking about doing good. He's thinking about doing what God wants him to do. He's thinking about doing what he wants to do as a Christian. He's thinking about the evil that he doesn't want to do. And he's thinking about his delight in the law of God. And it's in that context that he sees this law, that he observes this reality in him. And so what I want to say is, do you delight in God's law? Perhaps, perhaps we don't grieve over our sin the way that we should, the way that the Apostle Paul is doing here, because we don't delight in God the way that we should. In verse 22, he says, I delight, for I delight Uh, in the law of God, in the inner man. And this word delight shares a root with the same word that we get our word hedonism from. And so if you've ever talked, are you familiar with um, John Piper's ministry, you'll you'll know that one of his themes that he preaches on a lot or that he uh, promotes is this idea of Christian hedonism. Um, And he doesn't mean anything worldly. That's why it says Christian hedonism. It's delighting in God. And, And delighting 
all day long and doing anything you can to bring yourself to know God more and to delight more in him. And perhaps if we were better at doing that, we would uh, be better at grieving over our sin. And this would then not lead us into despair, but to cause us to recognize that our salvation is only by grace, that it's only in Christ, that it doesn't depend on us. And there are, there are many things that we could say about uh, this. You know, why does this matter? Um, why, why do we have to talk about this? Um, well, one, it's in the Bible. And I've read through Romans a lot, and I've been struggling with a whole lot of things in Romans, and this was one of them, and so I tried to work it out today. I hope I did some, something good. Um, but in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, Paul says that Christians are to put the sin that remains in us to death. Uh, if you live by the flesh, live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. We can't do that when we walk around every day feeling pretty good about ourselves. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to actively put your uh, sin to death when you feel like a good person. And so there is uh, this way that we can uh, inspect our own hearts, inspect our own lives, and put into practice this desire to delight, consciously delighting, consciously affirming that the law of God is good, and uh, examining what is it in us, knowing now that there's nothing good in us, knowing now that everything in us is wanting us to uh, shy away from these, our, our sin, let me say that again, now I'm, I'm confusing myself, um, knowing that there is this enemy inside of us that does not want us to do what we truly want to do. What are we, how are we going to change our lives day to day? How are we going to uh, be more suspicious of ourselves, uh, remembering that the heart is deceitful above all things? And then consciously delighting in God because we know that that's what we ought to be doing. And then this causes us to see that we, we can't. We want to do things, we can't do them. And then that causes us to despair of our own abilities, and then we praise God. But we do not fall down not to, be, not to get up again. Remember that we are to put sin to death, yet we don't do it. God does it in us. We do do it, but it's not us. It's God doing it through us. It's his Holy Spirit giving us the ability to do it. I know for me, there are, there are many things that I know that I could do with my time. The spare minutes, um, I know that I could memorize a shorter catechism question, which I have to do for seminary. Um, you know, I have 10 minutes, I could, I could do that, or I could work on one, I could at least, but it's hard to bring myself to do it sometimes. It's so mentally, and then spiritually, there's this resistance. And I can't explain it other than to say 
that there's nothing good that dwells in me. It's so much easier to go on YouTube and uh, watch a few minutes of a Leonard Skinner concert. Um, it is. And if I'm tired, if I'm tired and, and I don't want to do schoolwork, I, or if I, need, I know I need to pray, I'll start praying and my, I'll just fall asleep. Um, I don't have to be in bed. Wherever I am, I can just doze right off. But if I were watching a Leonard Skinner concert, there's no way I would fall asleep. <laughs> and I can't explain that other than there's something in me still that wars against the law of my mind, that knows that God is good, that his law is good, and wants to do what he calls, wants to spend time, I want to spend time reading my Bible. One verse. There's so much that you can get out of just one verse. Um, I want to do it, but it's so difficult. It's so easy to, I have too too much to do. I, I can't think about this right now. When I get everything done, um, maybe later in the evening, I'll be able to do something. But I have two young kids, and so late in the evening means at least 10 o'clock before, you know, they're finally asleep. And um, So it's just a, a, a very real, ongoing struggle. Um, But as Paul says, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God because without him, we could have never believed. It didn't depend on us to have faith. And now it doesn't uh, depend on us to, um, to earn our salvation. We don't, we don't have to do it. So in a sense, this is very freeing because we no longer have to say uh, that you know, we no longer have to feel that we have to put sin to death. We don't have to carry this burden in the sense that we have to, under our own power, do it. Because we can't, so we put it to death, relying on God. So we are free from the burden of having to please others or of having to impress others with our you know, knowledge or with our spiritual maturity or whatever it is. Because when we look inside, all we see is wretchedness. And everything that is good in us is not us, but Christ in us. So I'm going to uh, pray for us now. Um, Let us pray. Our good and heavenly Father, we are thankful for your love for us in Christ, uh, that you would save us even while we were sinners, even while we were enemies. You reconciled us to yourself by sending your son that he would be killed, dying the death of a criminal. It was our sin that required the shedding of blood and it was his blood, his precious blood that paid our ransom. You reconciled us to yourself while we were enemies and now you love us as dear children. We on our own would not believe in you. We would suppress your truth in our unrighteousness. But you, in your grace, by your word and your spirit, you have awakened us from our uh, sleep. Uh, You have 
opened our eyes, cured our blindness that we may see our need for a savior and see our beautiful savior. You have opened our ears so that we would hear the the gospel. And you have cured our lame legs that we may walk in your ways. You are so patient with us even as we are stubborn and wayward. And we come to you seeking rest from our sin. We are unworthy to be called your children, and yet you do. Our righteousness is as filthy rags before you, yet you accept us in your son, Jesus Christ. So I pray, Father, that you would help us to delight in your law, help us to see our sin, that we would grieve over it, that we would put no confidence in the flesh, but rather that we would rejoice in our weakness, because in our weakness, Christ is our strength, and that rather than boasting in our flesh, in our abilities, in our strength, that we would boast in our Savior, our gracious Lord Jesus Christ, There is nothing good in us, so we praise you for the work of regeneration by which you gave us a new heart and a new mind. Uh, You caused us to be born again to a living hope. We thank you for justification that you work in our hearts, making us righteous, counting us as righteous before you, giving us the righteousness that you require without which no one would see you. We thank you for the work that your Holy Spirit does in us to sanctify us, making us holy, for we desire to be holy as you are holy. So we pray for your help to to put sin to death that remains in us and to wage war on the sin in us that wages war on our hearts and minds. Yet we know that it is not us It is not we who uh, wage war, but you in us. We long for the day when our faith shall be sight. And we long to see your face and rest in your bosom. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus. We pray these things to you, Father, by the Holy Spirit. And in the name of our precious Lord Jesus Christ, amen.